this is a passenger announcement. Last call for the rank squad to board today's worldwide tour of the football landscape. So, whether you're praising Paul Pogba's perfect penalty poise, perfectly put away as per, buzzing belligerently over big boy Benzema's brace of bags for blustering Los Blancos, or vehemently delighting in Virgil van Dijk's veritable displays, those vintage vistas of defensive duty, you know we're the only place to be every week. This is your captain speaking. My name is Jack Collins, half poet, half pundit, all host. Please fasten your seatbelts, sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. Today's flight of fancy will stop at all the usual destinations flying through FIFA, praising fans and fiddling with formations from Florence to Florida. And let me introduce your crew, your window wingman, the straight-talking Tsar of summer swaps and scoops, sent soaring seamlessly into the sky to scout ahead and sift sense from silliness, the titan of transfers, warrior of the window... It's football insider Dean Jones. I'm so on board with all of this, Jack. <laughs> and the right royal ruler of rankings, friend of the football fan, supreme sword-wielding samurai of the soccer-sorting sphere. It's rank god Sam Tai. You are flying today. Crew, armed doors for takeoff. DJ, do you want to start us off with hot takes? <laughs> I'd love to. Nicolas Pepe is the hottest talent available on the transfer market this summer. Jesus, that is a scorcher. Goodness 23-year-old me. Pepe playing for Lille in Liga 1, tearing it up. Now, we've been talking about it away from the microphone all season. We've been looking at him saying, like, is he the real deal? Is he the real deal? When Lille beat PSG uh, 5-1 over the weekend, he was the man that most were talking about afterwards. He scored in that game. He's got 19 goals and 11 assists this season. The only other players in Europe's top five leagues that can bring in those sort of numbers, Messi, Quagliarella and Bappe. He's in there with those guys and he's going to stay in there for years to come. He's come on so much in the last couple of years and he just seems to be getting better and better. Lille were a point away from being relegated last season. This time around, they're going for the Champions League and it's all because he's been carrying this team, basically. He brings in so much. He's your outball. He's the man that you can rely on to bring a bit of magic. He's got the X factor and now teams are basically going to be fighting over him this summer because he is being made available for transfer by Lille. He's going to have a big price tag, granted, but Arsenal have been looking at him for a long time. Inter and Juve are now coming into the, to the race. So are Bayern and Man United. They're the clubs looking to sign this lad. One of them will get him. Whoever does has got the buy of the summer. What kind of price tag are we talking? Well, they're talking potentially, this is touted coming out of Lille, so... Whether they get it or not, eighty million. Mm, that's 80, a lot of money. Eighty million that's euros. That's a lot of money for a one-season wonder. You've got to remember something. <laughs> one-season wonder. You've got to remember eighty million euros. If that is the fee that they end up getting, which they probably won't get that anyway. No. You're not getting eighty million euros. You're getting probably half of that, maybe up front. Mm. The rest all comes in add-ons. It comes with how much success you have, how many goals you score, and so if he did live up to his potential then you'd happily pay 80 million for him, surely. That's what you've got to right, remember when, right. you, when Sam, you sign these players. Do, do you think this is the buy of the summer? Because I'm sceptical. Obviously, I don't think this is the, the, the scoop of the summer or the buy of the summer. Right. I, think, I think once you get into that price range and you're looking at Nicolas Pepe after, after one amazing season, that, that's, that's prime slip-up territory. I don't think you can call him like the gem of the summer when Jal Felix is, is potentially available for a similar amount of money. He's I over I, 100 million. Uh, yeah, well, similar. 80 million, 100 million? I mean, what does that, it matter? At that point, what is the, the difference? I'm saying you'll get him for 40 million up front. <laughs> I didn't, right, know you were, didn't know you were brokering well, the deal. Maybe at, that, maybe at that price, yes. But 
you know, this summer there's, there's a lot of talk, and you'll be able to inform us further, that Paolo Dybala is moving on from Juventus. He wants to leave. You know, if that's true, then surely the scoop of the summer is there. Yeah, but that probably won't happen, will it? That's Dybala, and that's a completely different level of player to fight, buying someone like Pepe, who you, you can not only sign this raw, exciting talent, but you can also mould them to fit into your team and, you, and your style of play. Well, Dybala's Personally, only, I must what, a year and a half max older than Pepe? Yeah, but he's established. He's, he knows his style of play. I would say that with someone like Pepe... I've got to say, I really hope he doesn't actually come to the Premier League because I think that would be really bad for him. I don't think... Personally. So how is he the scoop of the summer? Really... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about this. Because he's going to go to Bayern Munich or Juventus. Okay. Yeah. But and, that's, he's good, and that's where he's going to take off. That's I mean, where Bayern, he's really Bayern, need, Bayern need a winger, That's for sure, the thing. So but... if you look at Bayern, and we've talked about already how they're looking at Gareth Bale, potentially. Yeah. The thing they are concerned about, obviously, is the fact that they're going to be spending a similar amount of money to this, 80 to 100 million euros, on Gareth Bale. And he's got all these injury problems. He's coming towards the latter stages of his career rather than Aye. approaching the prime of his career. And Bayern, we know, like to sign players just before they hit their peak and get the best from them. Mm. So this does make a lot of sense for somebody like Bayern, like Juve. Um, I just think that this is a name that people are... A lot of people won't have won't be aware of him. They, they don't all watch Liga like we do. Maybe Sunday put him on the map a little bit, to be fair. It totally did. And that's, to be honest, a lot of the reason why I think this is the right time to welcome him to the BR Football Ranks world is because he's now ready for it. He's ready for this big conversation. Right, Sam, I, I want to just talk quickly about the other player who's been lighting things up for Lille this season on the other wing, Jonathan Bamba. Is he the, you know, is, is he getting a, a disservice here from the fact that Dean is saying that one winger is the, the gem of the summer? The other one, you could be, you could get Jonathan Bamba for 30 million. Sure, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't spend 30 million on Jonathan Bamba. I wouldn't spend 80 million on Nicolas Pepe. I also don't think, I don't think it's a one-man show. I don't think it's a two-man show. There are very good team. Rafael Liao up front is very good. The defence has been really, really solid. They keep a lot of clean sheets. Yeah. I think you have to give credit to all of them, to be honest with you, and to, and to transform themselves from relegation contenders to clear second best team in France is really impressive. But no, don't don't spend 30 million on Bamba. Don't spend 80 million on Pepe. Look elsewhere. Right. So, well, let us know in the comments if you think you'd be spending 80 million on Nicolas Pepe. And until then, Sam, what's your hot take? So I've been playing the part of Jose Mourinho's agent this week. Uh, I've been, I've been scared. Does he know about this? He's, he's mildly aware, <laughs> scoping out potential jobs for him, trying to identify the ideal next destination. Uh, we've had a chat and look, we've basically come to the conclusion. <laughs> this is all made up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've come to the conclusion that he's not walking into an elite job right now because his, his reputation over the last few years has taken a bit of damage and he's going to have to go for a decent job, but not one of the very best, the one that he's sort of accustomed to. So I've just been having a look around, trying to work out exactly what, what that job is. I think it might be Inter Milan, a yeah. glorious return to the San Siro. Obviously, he's had his success there in the past, 2010, the treble, including the Champions League. It's an unhappy squad, I think, and they've had a fairly unhappy season. I think they'll probably make Champions League football regardless, but they don't seem to be getting on with Spalletti. And I'm surprised by that because last season was so, so good and they looked looked like they had a great summer. They looked primed for success. I think it is one of those groups of, of players that Mourinho can walk, walk into and kind of just get another level out of them. I think they're crying out for that. I think he needs to go somewhere where he, he feels a bit of love as well because he feels quite... It feels quite like a damaged prospect right now. I don't think there's a job in England he can take. I don't right. think there's a job in Spain. No. For a long time, I felt like Mourinho should, should become the manager of the Portuguese national side. But Fernando Santos has a Euro 2016 win under his belt and doesn't look like he's going anywhere. He's in the finals I, of the Nations League. And I don't think Mourinho can hang on and wait for that job. So I think he might have to look at someone like Inter Milan, or at least Italy, where his brand of football... 
they're just a, a bit more okay with it. I don't want to call it defensive, but I, I would say they're a bit more cautious. And in Italy, they are more cautious. I think I think that's the easy option for him, though, to, yeah. go, to go back somewhere like that. I, I agree that the Serie A is probably a good place for him, but I think Roma is the place that, that, that Mourinho should be looking. And I think that Roma are very interested in this idea that they are in a situation right now where uh, they've brought in Ranieri. They're chasing short-term goals at the moment to try and save their season and, and meet... It's not working. It's basically. not working, no. And I would be very surprised if Ranieri is there um, any oh, longer much. than the end of this season. Now, um, there are whispers coming out that uh, Roma have kind of sounded out Mourinho's people and the word coming back is that Mourinho actually isn't really interested. But I don't see why Mourinho wouldn't be interested in a project like Roma. I think that the, the setup and... Everything about that club is something he should be willing to embrace at this stage. You've got this club that you've got a great chance of, of making great again. They are on the verge of being a really, really good team. And they just haven't been able to make the step up again this season. Do you think, do you think he's think the guy that can pull that together? Though? Yeah, do you not I, think he I needs struggle. to walk into a more established team like Inter Milan, where he has like Skriniar in defence and he has a very good midfield and he has Icardi who we can call upon. So I'm saying that that's the easy option for him. I don't want to see Mourinho taking an easy option here. He walked into Man United thinking that was an easy option because it was, the, okay, it was his dream job. But he thought this can't fail. Like everyone else has failed before me. I'm the man to fix this. And... Basically, it did fail because he wasn't able to do it. I want to see him now not go back somewhere, not to end up back at Chelsea, go back to Inter Milan, somewhere where he's already achieved so much and people are going to uh, you know, have a certain amount of time with him. I want to go somewhere and make an impact on a club and turn it around and win over a new set of fans. I think that'd be amazing to Mourinho to do that. So is the perfect scenario, actually, if Milan ditch Gattuso... He crosses the divide at Milan oh. because that's winning over a new set of fans. Could he do that? That is, that is exactly but, what that but again, is. Again, uh, Milan a little bit too much like Roma in that there's a lot of young attacking talent that's not quite blooded yet. Mm. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be Mourinho's kind of game. He, no. You know, His game isn't blooding these new attacking talents. And you look at that Roma squad and the amount of kind of you know, exciting young players they have. But they're projects, aren't they? They're projects, yes. But they're not, you know, look at how much he squeezed the life out of the attacking players at Man United. Do you, do you want to see that again? That You know, I think he does need to go back. I, I agree. And, and the one I was going to say was Porto. You know, a very solid, you know, sensible that side that, yeah. that know who, what he's about, that know who's there. And he's look, Constantin's done a brilliant days. job at Porto. But if, if he had the opportunity to go back there and, and he wanted it, I, could, I find it very difficult to suggest he the club would say no. There. He's not going to die there. Like, got, it's, that's the last thing he wants I've to be got, doing I've got right two, two issues with the Porto thing. Consists out, they should not sack him. He's doing fantastically. And the Portuguese league has a glass ceiling on what you can genuinely achieve at the top level. As we've seen over the years in the Champions League, if Mourinho wins a Portuguese title... It's not going to do a lot in the eyes of many. People aren't going to go, oh, he's back. People exactly. are going, it's Portugal. It, I don't think that helps him out at all. So those are my two issues. I'd like to see him back at Porto, but I don't think that's the next step for him. Do we all I, think he's coming back next season? Yeah, he'll get a job. My, my concern with, 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 with Inter and every, everyone else in Serie A is that Antonio Conte is unemployed, yeah. has a better recent track record, and is revered by certain people for good reason. And yeah. he is probably the top prize for Italian clubs looking yeah. for managers this summer. So Mourinho, again, I'll have to probably go and have a chat with him about it. He might, <laughs> he might actually have to play second fiddle to Conte. If okay. you're his agent, I'm surprised you didn't know about that Roma stuff. <laughs> yeah, you should have probably known. <laughs> right, the winner of this week's poll is weird because actually third in this week's poll was a discussion of the Portuguese and Dutch leagues and maybe whether they had a significant claim given the Champions League to be calling themselves the fifth best league in Europe right now, given that the two 
have a club in the in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and the French League doesn't but that came third in the poll so we can't talk about it <laughs> it's what I was talking um, about in Mourinho and the Portuguese I know League. I know the oh, second yes. the second in the poll was a debate between the former of Raheem Sterling and Eden Hazard and the winner was a question of whether United can stop City's title charge and whether they'd want like, you know such a weird explain question. the situation so, you know question. Manchester United play Manchester City next week in the Premier League and City have a game in hand on Liverpool if City win all of their games they win the league. Now, they play Manchester United, who are their cross-city rivals in a, in a Premier League game. They're two points back, by the way. Two points back. So they would go one ahead yep. of, of Liverpool uh, with a win. Now, look, Liverpool and Manchester United have a historic rivalry. Manchester City and Manchester United have a cross-city rivalry. So they're obviously two. The Liverpool one is stronger. But Manchester United are still battling themselves for a top four spot. And I think if you ask most United fans, and we did on Bleacher Report, there was an article by the brilliant Tom Williams the other week about basically all Premier League fans that aren't Liverpool fans don't want Liverpool to win the title, mm-hmm. especially Manchester United. But equally, they'll want to beat their local rivals for local pride and they're challenging for a top four spot. So we're in this really weird situation where United fans basically don't want to win the game. And it completely baffles me as to what's going to happen. It's, so it's really weird, isn't it? Episode seven of BR Football Ranks, we spoke to Adnan Yanazai and we asked him at the end, like, who's going to win the title, City or Liverpool? And he basically said what he, what he wanted to happen. And he said, as a United fan, I choose City, which was just the most bizarre statement. But it, it rings true because, yeah, it of, because of the two different rivalries and because Liverpool's are stronger. It's so, I reckon it, this is so hard to get my head around and, and, and will be for other fans as well. It's such an un- uncomfortable situation to be in. To be honest, I'm going sim- to simplify it. Um, I don't think United can beat City even if they try. So the rest of it doesn't really matter. I just, there's nothing in United's recent performances, i.e. getting bettered by West Ham despite winning, failing to manage a shot on target in the first leg against Barcelona. That really says to me that they've got enough in the bank to stop City. Dean? Yeah, well, United, obviously, their fans don't want Liverpool having won more league titles than they win. So that's a key reason as to why Liverpool, they don't want Liverpool to start winning those again, because yeah. it's been United that have been, been taking all the, the domestic glory in, on that front. Um, but they've also got this issue at the moment. And I mean, by the time some people listen to this, this might be resolved. But City obviously chasing a quadruple. Um, as we speak right now. And Man United's greatest ever achievement was the treble. Yeah. So their big worry has been leading up to all this as well. Is like, we really, really don't want Liverpool to win the league. But we also really, really don't want Man City to win the quadruple because we've never done that. So that's, yeah. that's been their issue as well. Now, this may be resolved this, this week, but if City are still going for that quadruple as well by the time they play, then that adds another angle to this all. But I think... Most United fans will probably be just sitting there, trying to enjoy the game. <laughs> They're going to find it weird though when they score because they don't they don't know how they feel, but they don't want to lose. Okay, well of course they don't want to lose, but let's talk about it quickly in, in terms of by the time that United play City, they might well be out of the Champions League given they lost at home to Barcelona with an away leg to come. You know, they might be the league might be their only chance of getting into the Champions League next season. And the tight, the race for fourth is really, really tight. They need those points. Yeah, they, 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 well, that's the thing. At, at that point, you have to focus on yourself. And, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be completely focused on his own job. He, you know, things since he got the job permanently obviously haven't been great. And United haven't been great. So he's got to be winning every game he possibly can. And if that means that they beat Man City and it means Liverpool go win the league, then so be it. I've got to go back, though, to the initial point that Sam made. I do not see Man United beating Man City because... 
at the moment, I'm not sure they'll even be able to compete with Man City, let alone beat them. Like, I'd see it being probably a 2-0 Man City win, to be honest. Well, it's a strong one. There we are. Well, that's it for hot takes this week. Uh, and we're about to switch to a different mode of transport. <laughs> All aboard as we take you on a train ride through FIFA's most underrated players. Those who are geniuses in real life, but just don't cut it on a virtual platform. To help us out, a couple of weeks back, we were joined by the one and the only Chew Boy. Former EA Sports employee, now eSport commentator, influencer and Manchester United's host when he was in town for the inaugural E Premier League tournament. All aboard the Chew Train. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where we are delighted to be joined by Chew, FIFA legend, esports host, and frontman for Manchester United Esports. Man, it's great to have you here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, I've never been in a Bleacher Report studio. I don't know which camera to look at. I was looking at <laughs> certain look at cameras. The cameras is there? Man, just look at us. Yeah, all right, all right, just cool, look at cool, us. Cool, cool. Crack out <laughs> as usual, as usual. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Sam's going to tee up the ranking for you, uh, but we're really excited to hear this one, man. Before we start, uh, judging by Twitter, anything that Sam ranks is absolutely wrong, and he knows nothing about football. So. Well, this is, why, this, is why, this is why we drafted you in to do the ranking too. I've been, you're going to fit in right here, man. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to fit I right I like in. the foot that we're getting off on, so that's great. Oh, God. I've been displaced. Okay, well, <laughs> Chew is going to present the ranking this week to save me a little bit in my mentions, but we're talking players who are brilliant in real life, but just unusable on FIFA. We thought we'd keep it FIFA related since Chew's in the building. So yes. you're going to talk us through five to one. Yes, players that you just can't stand using, but wish you could because they're geniuses in real life, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, I'll start by saying FIFA, it's better to be as a like in the game. The best players are big, tall and fast and strong. So four traits, big, tall, fast, strong. Like if you are not that done, like funny (laughs) enough, as good as Messi is, you always go with Ronaldo because Ronaldo's big, tall, fast, strong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those technical players are usually not the players that, unfortunately, you know, your Iniesta's, your Chavis were never good in FIFA, mm-hmm. but uh, they're probably like, you know, the best midfielders in the world yep. uh, at their Absolutely. time, you know? Absolutely. Let's go straight in with number five and, and build from there, man. So this one's weird because, you know, United just defeated uh, his team. That was a great comeback. I don't know if you guys saw it. <laughs> we, we, had an, we had an eye on it. A quiet one. Yeah, a very, very quiet night. I, I was definitely not running around my house shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, but a guy who I think is world-class, Marco Verratti. I yeah. think he's, in real life, like, I'm sure, I'm sad. I feel like Sam's going to not like him. What? I love Verratti. Oh, okay, good. Oh, I, I, no, saw, no, I saw that good. look at his like, no, no I don't know. This is like a Verratti <laughs> fan club. <laughs> that's, 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 we're good, we're good. Yeah, right, yeah he... In my opinion, that guy is like world class. Like what he did to United in the first, first leg, leg, I was just like, "Is this guy serious?" Well, they didn't man? think he was going to play, did they? So yeah. they were like, "Oh, we've got a big chance." Then he turned up on the night, and everyone's like, "Oh no!" Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he could do everything, like hold the ball like Skulls, like control the tempo like him, but can actually tackle unlike Skulls. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though Skulls are one of my favorite players of all time, but yeah, he could just do anything. But his problem, he's like 5'6". Yeah. yeah. So in FIFA, that means you are trash, 100%. <laughs> or 100%. Like, nobody's even going to touch you. He's, he's what, 86 rated? He used to be 87, I think, last year. Um, so, you know, the thing in, in FIFA, I, I know we're talking about general FIFA, but, you know, like, uh, sometimes a lot of guys play ultimate team, and, you know, you open packs, and then if you get a good pull, you know, it's a walkout. And it's if it's 86 rated and above. 
And so sometimes you get a walk out, like, yes, they're like, oh, it's variety. Oh, God. <laughs> this is it's such a strange terrible. situation to be in. Like, you're like, what a player to pull out of a pack. And then you're like, ah, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not, not going to go. Me. It's yeah, not going to help. Sh- Can't you just put him at, like, right back or something? No. Oh, no, because that's even worse. Because now in FIFA, like, the thing is to cross to the back post. So, like, some guys are putting Sergio Ramos at right back because they're like... Oh, uh, really? That's the yeah. strength for people now. That's the oh. strength for people because people just use Mbappe and just jump over everybody. Because Mbappe yeah. can do anything in FIFA. Just like in real life, yeah. that's <laughs> um, over. That's overpowered, not yeah. underpowered. Yeah, he's not. He's not on this list. Yeah, he's definitely not. Ferrati played that game, the first leg against United, seemingly on about one leg. Like he was, he was very hobbled going into that, and still completely ran the show. And I've never, I've never seen a player take so many touches inside his own box when he's under such serious danger and pressure, and still just wriggle out of it time and time again. So calm. Any other player, and you're thinking the, the fans in the stands. I'm sure early on they were like. What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? But yeah. nowadays they're like, it's cool. We trust Marco. We trust him. <laughs> Always trust. Right. Who's in at number four, man? All right. Number four. Now, I mean, it's debatable. Like, um, people say his form has dipped, but he was probably last year. People say, like, he should have, he could have, you know, been up there with Modric as the best midfielder in the world. Uh, he had an all right World Cup. Tony Cruz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, his problem is that for some reason FIFA. I don't know if EA is watching or listening to this. EA, if you're listening, probably, to this, probably everyone's listening. But, you know, they like they have to be. They have to be. We're, 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 the Bleacher Report series. They have to be. This is <laughs> blasphemous if they don't. But you know, they always had his pace really low. Like, what would, in FIFA ratings, what, what would you say? How fast would you say Tony Cruz should be? What out of a hundred? Out of a hundred. Uh, 65 yeah. or something yeah. like that's that. That's actually, no, you cheated. That's actually his pace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, no, you're good. He's, hey, see, look, he, he Sam knows everything. That's true, Sam. Yeah, I was going to say 70. But. Yeah, I would have gone, gone higher as well. 70, yeah, 65 is very good. Usually he's been rated like 50-something. Yeah, oh, he's really? in the 50s for and sure. And then this year they just finally put him up to 60-something. Oh, okay, fair but enough. But that's still not good enough. No, I'd say 70 would be much fairer. Right? And then again... It, FIFA, if you're under about 70 pace, yeah, get out of here, bro. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Just can't you, move. Exactly. Like, who do you, like, what do you think this is? Like, he could shoot, but apart from that, like, you know, he doesn't, you know, the, the guys who are really good at passing, again, that's not something that shows up very well in FIFA when you have somebody just... I don't know if you guys play online season, somebody's just sweating down the wing and trying to cross it into Ronaldo. Yeah. It's like, where's the passing there, right? But also, there's guys in, like, Football League 2, English League 2, like, fourth tier, that they can play, like, cross-field passes across from one flank to the other, pinpoint onto someone's chest. A pass they definitely can't play in real life. A pass that you would laud Tony Crows for... But because he does it on FIFA, everyone else can as well. It's not a special trait. He doesn't stand out. So, like, yeah, his his best attributes are not... are not Exemplified. Yeah, they're not exemplified by the game, right? And his weaknesses are shown up. Exactly. He can't move. Yeah. <laughs> he can't move. like me at five aside. I was going to say, he's had a funny season, though, Tony Crowe, hasn't he, Dean? He hasn't been the Tony Crowe of old, for sure. I know we've, we've spoken before on here about um, when Real Madrid were in their troubled times... Um, before the Zidane returned. Last week. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> the Kroos and Modric dynamic. Just, axis. Yeah, the axis was was just not there. And obviously I said that maybe Modric's best days were behind him and they should move on at least one of those players. And I said it would be Modric. But um, Kroos has got to be winding down soon, I've got to say that. It's got to be winding He's getting slower. He's in his 20s. I know, yeah, right? He's yeah, still getting but slower, he's, isn't he? He's, he's peaked. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he has. But he's yeah, like he's they're one brutal of, Bleacher Report, man. Yeah, we're not here, we're not here to mess around. We're not, messing around, <laughs> like, yeah. we're not here to give people credit. <laughs> <laughs> just keep knocking people down and aiming for the best. Now there's a dance bag. Do you think he's just gonna like buy everybody, like everyone? 
I think he's going to go big. I think that um, it'd be crazy not to. I think there's only, this is the last time you're going to have Zidane back. So he's probably going to do, what, another two, three years and try and just wrap up every trophy he can. So just throw everything at it. And like I've said before, get Mbappe. Like Whatever it takes, get Mbappe is the ultimate Galactico. Well, there we are. <laughs> and, he, and he'll out-jump everyone at the back post, right? Yeah, exactly. Seriously, oh my God. The nightmares uh, it gives me. <laughs> Let's get on to number three, man. All right, number three. This one, this one's controversial because some might, some might be listening to this and they play FIFA and they'll be like, "Chew, you don't know anything," uh, which happens every day. Right. Sound like your life is very similar to Sam. Uh, we are. No, seriously, yeah. it is. Like, I mean, if uh, if uh, some of the listeners might not know, I used to work at EA Sports. I was a community manager, so like, anytime. I'm sure I'm looking at you guys because maybe you guys were some of the culprits. But anytime <laughs> somebody didn't like anything about FIFA, I was the first to hear about it on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, okay. on everything. So I just had like 15 year old kids called Liam or Callum. That seems to be the most common names in the UK. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, it's not too bad. This show. Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah, quite a lot of them. They just told me like, funny thing is that like the worst thing you could do to a British kid is to talk about football but not be from Britain. That's the that's the biggest insult you can ever do to them. Like it's like I've been watching Premier League since the start, nineteen ninety two. I remember I was six years old. And then that's I think it was it was that that Jan, was it that January signed Cantona. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember all that. But it's like a kid who has ninety six in his name will be like, You don't know anything. I'm like Dude, you never watched your '96. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like you never. You're three when the treble was on, right? So it's like, how do you know like what happened? That kind of thing. So Get out of my life, I, right? You know, so I had a lot of that at EA. And then you know, when you come out, you know, I'll be talking about like, a lot about Man United because again, like 26 years of just like sitting in front of the TV watching United. But if you say it in like a American or Canadian accent, you know absolutely nothing. Um, which leads me to the number three, Lewandowski. Okay. okay. I do not like him in FIFA at all. I think he's um, he's pretty unusable. He's got skills now, but he's just so sluggish, which I feel like I've seen Lewandowski play in person. I, I like uh, back in well, this was back in 2014 in the um, the German Cup final, and I mean the guy moves quickly. But in FIFA, for some reason, like now, uh, I mean he's got prolific scoring rate right now in real life. But I feel like in FIFA, it's just like you just don't pick him. This one's interesting because it, it goes kind of against what you were saying at the start, right? You said that the players to, to avoid were the ones that weren't tall, fast, powerful. I mean, he's got three of the four. Yes, he's not fast, but he's got three of the four. That's so true. what makes him so you know, difficult to play with, I guess? It's like if you, if you did spam crosses, which people are doing now, uh, after there was like a recent patch in FIFA, they're like, it's like, oh, now everybody just crosses because like it's more effective. But it's just like, I never feel like he's in the box. It's just the, the lack of pace. Like if he just had like a bit more pace... Like that's why I'm not gonna put him at number one. It's just, I, and he probably just doesn't fit my play style. But again, there's probably a kid called Liam who's been crossing. He says, "Chew, you don't know anything because I've been scoring." <laughs> Blaming his tools, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You agree, Sam? Um, I have always found Lewandowski a little more sluggish on FIFA than he is in real life. Yeah. Um, I think he is a target man, but he is one of the more mobile target men in world football. You definitely wouldn't just pigeonhole him as someone who stands in, you know, and just operates in a ten-yard area or like you know only bullies defenders. He moves all over the place to help his team move around and he holds the ball up in the, in the wide areas. So I always kind of got annoyed about that as well. 
I feel like maybe four years ago, Lewandowski was pretty good on FIFA. Oh, yeah, he was amazing. Uh, like three, four years ago. But nowadays, and he hasn't changed that much. Like, yeah. his scoring rate is the same. He's 30-odd years of age. Like, he hasn't, his body hasn't declined. But on FIFA, they've made him more and more sluggish. And I don't use him either. Like, I find it really difficult. Maybe so, people just got bored of seeing him at Bayern and they wanted him to move. And because he hasn't, they're just so used to seeing what he does that they've just kind of been like, oh... He's are you saying like, that EA Sports are de- like reducing his stats to get him to move from Bayern? Yeah, they want Any to ideas on that, Chew? Uh, I, I cannot comment on that because people still <laughs> think I work in EA. So anything I say, they'll probably uh, take Come back, possible. yeah. Be an article on it somewhere. But maybe they based his ratings off of his performance against Liverpool. <laughs> maybe, that, well, maybe that's what happened well, that was bad <laughs> to be fair like if you did take that 180 minutes and base it off it they've probably got him about right they've just watched that game <laughs> we've nailed this <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe but also that, I mean I suppose that's the top level right for Lewandowski he's playing in a, in a Champions League knockout tie that is where these players and we, you know we've been discussing about world number nines in general and, and who sits at the top of that mm. tree and, and something that's come up time and time again is that Lewandowski seems to have fallen off a bit because in the big games he hasn't shown up he didn't show up at the World Cup no he didn't yeah. he, he didn't turn up when, he, when Bayern needed him most in a knockout tie in the Champions League maybe the, I mean, yes I mean I agree in terms of he's not obviously slow as he is in the game but you know he also is seemingly on a bit of a decline even though his stats are, are padded by the fact that he plays in the Bundesliga most weeks it, is that you know, maybe right? Maybe. It's interesting you just bring up the Poland example for the World Cup and immediately my mind started thinking and I started trying to find a performance from Lewandowski in a Poland shirt that I thought was good and I've come up with nothing. Like, yeah. I didn't, I, like obviously, he, he top scored in, in qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was up there with, with Ronaldo and Lukaku in terms of goal, goal volume. But I wasn't watching Poland's qualifiers, but I watched them at major tournaments. And the Euro 2012, when he was supposed to carry them yeah. through his co-host, didn't show up. Lost me fantasy uh, points, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I don't think I've ever seen him play well. Like, obviously, I haven't seen all the games, but may, maybe, that's, maybe that's a fair reflection in that, in that in those bigger games, he doesn't necessarily do it. And look... Bundesliga defences are not the strongest. There's always two or three strikers that score a hell of a lot of goals in that league. Aubameyang and Lewandowski used to battle it out and yeah. reach near 30 themselves. So maybe it, Now he's maybe, got Luka Jovic for company. Now he's got Luka Jovic for company, yeah. We'll always get him into a podcast, won't we? Always mention him. Always Jovic. Yeah. Um, Dean, is there something in what you said earlier, but I mean, from a, a more kind of transfer perspective, is it time for Lewandowski to move on? You know, there's a reboot kind of going on at Bayern in terms of how they, they kind of change that system. And, and I think especially after this year in the Champions League, they're going to switch. Is there kind of anything mooted about Lewandowski moving on? You know, we talked about Real Madrid needing a number yeah. nine in, in great depth. But well, it looked possible last summer. So there was a time actually last summer when he was thinking, do I need a move? And he got, he got a new agent and stuff. And people were like, oh, there's something going on here. Lewandowski's finally like going to push himself somewhere else, push himself to a new league, test himself outside of Germany. And I don't know if he just decided that actually perhaps this was going to be Bayern's year in the Champions League or something, or just thought he'd give it another go. But he decided not to. (laughs) He decided he didn't push for a move anyway. And as a result of that, nobody really came in for him. There was links to Real Madrid. Um, I don't. I don't think Real Madrid would go for him now. I think that that ship has probably sailed. It would would have made sense to me last summer, but it wouldn't make sense this time. Do you think he regrets not joining Blackburn Rovers? (laughs) Imagine. And Dean's staring at me. He's not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember that story? No, I don't. That's why I'm staring at you. So the, the Icelandic volcano that erupted oh, on, yeah. on transfer deadline day would have been five, six, seven years ago. Now uh, it, it it was 2010, wasn't it? Because it meant that Barcelona had to take the bus to their no 
Wait, which way Warren was it? Well, you know the story better than me. They, they had to get a bus to London. No. No, it was for the Champions League semi-final yeah, Champions against League Inter semi- Milan. Yeah, Inter- oh, yeah, because it was Mourinho's Inter Milan yeah, against Mar- yeah. Pep squad at Barcelona. And yeah, the, right. the volcanic eruption prevented air travel and they had to go via bus. And we think that's why they lost. Also meant that Robert Lewandowski failed to join Blackburn Rovers, which is one hell of an alternate career path. Given where Why Blackburn, was he going to go Blackburn Rovers? Because well, he was playing in Poland at the time and they, they had a bid accepted. Oh. He just couldn't travel over for okay, the medical so it before he got to Dortmund. Oh, it's before he was, like, you know, decent. Dortmund, <laughs> but but that, is, mad, isn't that is an incredible alternate, uh, alternate career yeah, path. Yeah, I definitely like think he regrets that. I really <laughs> think he does. Antoine Griezmann was minutes away from joining Fulham in the same transfer window. Oh, um, <laughs> hey, hey. Enough. No, I mean, <laughs> that's quite like, enough of that. I would have been mad because I feel like, no offense, he would have gone to another Premier League team like after like a season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, oh, Griezmann's in the Premier League. Probably Man, Man United. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I imagine that Antoine Griezmann is desperately re- regrets not, not coming to the banks of the Thames because oh. that, would have, that would have changed his career path indefinitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and, for, for, the, for the worst. And on that note, let's, <laughs> let's, move, let's, move, <laughs> on. let's move on to number two. Um, now, number two, it pains me because, you know, he, he was a United player in his youth, uh, in his younger days. And, of course, we decided to go with Johnny Evans instead, um, which, you know, as bad as it seems, I was okay with that at the time because I was like, eh, this guy, he's all right. He doesn't look that great. Whatever. Uh, Gerard Piquet turned out to be good. Just a bit good. Just a bit good. He's like 55-something 50, acceleration sprint speed in fifa don't you, you never use him again he shows up in your pack you're like eh shakira's shakira's husband <laughs> <laughs> is that the nicest thing you have to say about him that's a pretty nice thing to say about him anyway. hey that's that's She's a compliment. very successful yeah. woman yeah. i would take that that's a, that dude i i, I wouldn't mind being called that <laughs> uh, you know it's like he, he he's high rated but again like you never see him you know everybody goes for the rom Ser, uh, sergio ramos varan when you're you know in la liga that kind of thing um which is a fair because he's like i think he's having a great season this oh, year from yeah. what i've seen so far like yeah. he, he is like he goes like from what what i've seen of him it's like you know it's like a, two seasons on then like yeah that one weird season is not good then he's back then he's not good but then now i think he's like back yeah we're back in the good times for pk we, we talked about it on previous podcasts we think he's having or he is having a phenomenal season and punctuated by by the classico performances as yeah. well where he oh, was just yeah. like him and, and to be fair and clement longley i'm sure longley, yeah, longley. Be very very angry if i didn't mention yeah, him in yeah. this as well absolutely amazing pk's been uh pk's been superb and we also talked about him steaming up field to score against Leon when the score was still in the balance. Definitely shouldn't have been doing that, <laughs> but but did so. So PK is a lot of fun on the football pitch. Yeah, but you don't get to unlock any of that in FIFA. No, he's just not. He's not fast. He can tackle all right, but then again, when Mbappe's running by you, it's like, ah, eh, who are you going to take the catch up to? PK or Sergio Ramos? Yeah, well, eh, well, go with Sergio Ramos, you know, uh, or Varane. But it's very fortunate because again, yeah, one of the best. Uh, is he the best defender right now? Who's the best defender right now? Van Dijk. Van Dijk, oh, true. I reckon Van Dijk is. Like, yeah, but PK is in that conversation. Like, if you, if you take it as, like, this season, I think PK is in that top five, maybe even that top three. I mean, there's, there's an old phrase from Alessandro Nesta who used to say that if you have to make a tackle, you're making a mistake. Um, it's because you haven't already read the game. Yeah. Mm. Is there something to be said for, like, the fact that that isn't really a thing? In, in FIFA, like obviously, in FIFA, <laughs> sorry, sorry. In FIFA fine. Yeah, yeah, Launching your personal attack. No, 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 no. I mean, Nesta. he's absolutely right. Like in, in terms of positioning and, and reading the game, yeah. it's very difficult to do that 
on a, on a game because you're obviously controlling people in, in different ways. Um, but like, is there something to be said that like those kind of defenders who read the game really well and basically make them make there's never that many tackles on their stats because they've already got there before the tackle needed to be made. That doesn't really exist. Yeah, and that's a. It's funny that you say. It's actually a good point that you say that because like those players like. Um, I would say, aside from Maldini, because Maldini, they gave him a lot of speed, but Baresi, Nesta, PK, like players who like would just read the game. In FIFA, since you have to control, like they have good tackling, but it's still up to the, the user to decide. And the user needs to catch up. The user needs to make that tackle, time it on his own. So those players like are never used. Like Baresi is like, you know, highest rated, one of the highest rated defenders out there. One of the, you know, I guess best defenders to ever play the game. You... People like the kids who never watch him. They think he's they think he's trash because they play FIFA and they're like, "Yo, this guy's trash." But I'm like, guys, no. Like when I was a kid, this guy like you couldn't beat this guy yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. in real life. Like you, he looks sure like because they're like, "Oh, he's short too. He's short in the game." Like how is he good? I'm like, I dude, I don't know why he was. I don't know how he beat all those odds. But man, when I was a kid, that you like you weren't getting past him at all. So Pretty kids cool. growing up think that through FIFA, Bracey wasn't good. It's it's unbelievable. It was a different game back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Restructuring history. Tragic story. Don't like that. that is sad. Yeah, that and it's funny because yeah, what do you think about it? like yeah, kids who you know teenagers now? That's the only way they get to see what those players are, unless they go through the YouTube archives. But like yeah, Alessandro Nesta, they don't think he's probably that good if they didn't watch him because FIFA is not that good. Fair enough. Well, that leaves us with one. That leaves us with one. Who you got? Yeah, so this one, um, uh, as I've said many times already, probably too many times uh, for the uh, Liverpool fans, uh, it's for United. But <laughs> there's one player I feel like if I could take one player from the last decade from any other Premier League team, it would be this guy. And it actually pains me that he's not that good because he's short and he's good at passing. But I think he's probably, he's a Premier League legend, in my opinion, and probably one of the most important signings in the Premier League history, uh, top 10 at least. David Silva. Mm. Yep. David Silva, unbelievable player. I don't think he even gets enough recognition. It's weird that Aguero and Silva aren't considered great. Isn't that weird? I think City fans would, but Premier League yeah. fans would. I think what, once, they, I think right. once they retire... They will yeah. be. I think both of them will be. But when once they leave and everyone looks back at the legacies they had in the Premier League, I think people will. It must will be expect. so frustrating to be that good and yeah. yet not appreciated. Because I'll be honest, if if those two play for United, they would be the, known as the greatest players of all time. Mm. Like, but Aguero, I've, Aguero, is it statistically is it Aguero like literally the best striker that's ever existed in the Premier League? Like better than Henri, the best foreign striker. I think ever. per I think per minute per minutes yeah. per goal. Yeah, I think yeah. It is. Um, he's. I know him and Henri are the only two players ever to have scored in twenty plus goals in three seasons consecutively. Yeah, um, it's he's mad. He, he, his statistics are nuts. He is an unbelievable footballer. Yeah, unbelievable. David Silva again. Like it was just. I thought he was. I thought he's probably aside from Aguero. I think him and Aguero are probably the most important players for for City, obviously. And he's just one player that I just feel connects the dots for everybody. And mm. like, I mean, he's been he's been playing at that level for. Was he, he's been here for nine years? Is it? Nine yeah, years? About that yeah. time, yeah. Nine years now, and people don't realize that he's been playing at top level nine years straight. Like maybe like one season he was like okay, um, but you know when you look at FIFA, dude is short. He's weak. Pick him. He's weak. I'm not going to pick him. He can pass good. Hey, you don't need that in FIFA. You just need to sweat and pass it across. <laughs> um, and, I mean, shooting, eh, it's all right. It's not great. So it's like he's like a legend, but like nobody goes near him. 
And yeah. I think that's number one. It's a shame, isn't it? You don't get to play with a player like that because he's such a magician. You'd think it would be great fun, yeah. The, the, the point made about like your sort of you know, not not getting that respect from sort of Premier League fans. Uh, you know, if you were to if you were to produce, I don't know, like a Premier League eleven, I appreciate that's not our task here, and it's something you would always need to really think about. I bet most people's minds when they start filling out their yeah. midfield of like their all time Premier League eleven, you start going Keane, Vieira, you start looking down these more traditional routes, Gerard. and then you start, and then and, and you think. David Silver is in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. He is, that, he, is, he is that good. He's always been that good as well. It, yeah. It's just like, it's not one of the things. I think it's always interesting. People always talk about the Premier League in, in terms of it being more physical and less technical yeah. than, than some of the other leagues in, in Europe. And yet, someone like David Silver has come over here and been so wonderful for so many years. And it does kind of warm your heart a little bit because it, you know there's been so much focus on oh he's not strong enough oh he's not big enough oh he's not quick enough and David was like nah I'm alright mate like, I, I'm better than you <laughs> yeah, I just, and, and that's I, I just see I'm... things you don't see well that's yeah. it and, and there's always been this conversation about players like Xavi and Iniesta and Messi even that people are like oh I don't know if they'd be able to hack the physicality ah. of the Premier League and then you look at David Silva and you're like well, I think they'd be all right. You know, I think they'd probably cope. Yeah. Also, David Silver's like, you know, under the radar, pretty snippy. Like, but commits his fair share of fouls. Yeah, he's a, he's a little yeah. bit nasty. He's, he he, like he is very much in that Spain 2010 generation that was taught to counter press and to foul when you lose the ball, immediately just take someone down, do it in a fairly subtle way. <laughs> you don't get booked. He yeah. does it, Pedro does it. All of those players do that. I mean, I feel like City kind of have a rule anyway where Pep's like, if you haven't got the ball back within four or five seconds, just foul. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is a thing. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. Quite yeah. A bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been, Silva's been doing it for for a long, long exactly. time, like it's been in, in, it's in his uh, DNA now. Yeah, very much so. And he, I reckon, the foul to yellow card ratio. I don't have the stats, but I'd be surprised if anybody commits more fouls for fewer yellow cards than David Silva because he just looks so nice as well. Yeah. If he yeah. turns Friendly around to the referee and just smiles yeah. and goes, like, oh, okay. oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. sorry. And you're like, it's okay, David. We'll have tea later. It's fine. No worries. <laughs> uh, Sam, is there anyone that was uh, wasn't on the list that you you would have maybe had in there that you you think is underpowered, perhaps? I've always had my 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 issue has always been with Tony Kroos. Genuinely, that's like the, the the one name that I always think about with this because he's so slow and you just can't. He's literally unusable. Like when you play with or an ultimate team, you never pick him. When you select Real Madrid and play multiplayer with your mates or whatever, you still take Kroos out. Like Casemiro is better on the game. Modric is better on the game. Asensio is better. There's all sorts of it. Uh, is this players. no better? Yeah. Yes. It's, I was just gonna. I was just gonna leave yeah, that yeah. and just see if you wanted to add that. Hey, one Isco's in. coming back. Maybe Zidane's back. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. You go. You've, got, you've got fans. Yeah. yeah I'm, a, I, I'm an Isco guy. I'm an Isco guy. There we are. Dean, Dean, Dean mentions is, Isco on every single podcast. <laughs> Dean is the Isco yes. guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's um, now you've got competition, Dean. Oh no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like that level. I'm just like, hey, put the guy in. Yeah. He's, he's good. You. He's great. I'll pass on the message. Thank you so much, Chu, for coming in and joining us no problem well. thanks for having me we'll be back after the break for Bleachy Roulette and Nonsense Rankings don't go anywhere well thank you so much to Chew for joining us in the studio it was an absolute pleasure it's time now for those fire closers it's Bleachy Roulette Sam do you want to kick us off sure what is the best football anthem slash chant oh this is a great question am I allowed to to use my Alexander the Great chant from last week's nonsense. No. What was it? <laughs> no. no. Do you want to read it again? No, 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 no. Oh, we want you to keep going. Yeah. I didn't know that was it. <laughs> right. What was, 
Oh, Ooh, um, current times. I really like the LA, LA, LA one. I, I think is really good. And it's been adapted to quite a few different teams. The original Napoli version of the LA, LA, because I imagine this segment is going to be quite English language heavy. Yeah. I would like to start us off with a non-English language one with the LA, LA, LA that Napoli do, which is basically like this really like heart rousing anthem. Obviously, it doesn't rhyme in English, but it rhymes in Italian, which is like, I defend this city. One day I fell in love. My heart exploded. This kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. That's a that's the real kind of heart you want in a in a song. So I, yeah. I I feel like that's maybe, you know, less, you know, less noticeable because obviously we know the Liverpool one so well in, in England mm. and, and in the Champions League. But the Napoli version of LALALA is absolutely spectacular. And look it up online if you haven't seen it. Before. That's what I meant. Mm. Um, the greatest chant of all time is "Ooh Cantona." <laughs> yeah, that is very good. To that be is fair. Uh, it's literally was what 25 years ago or something and like it still stands like yeah. you, you could still sing that as a man united fan everybody loves it and knows it yeah um and loads of teams have adopted it ever since to fit a player that that, that sounds Vandas, similar Van uh, yeah notable who Cantona just changed the game for me fair uh, I, there's a couple for me uh this is one of my favorite topics as, <laughs> as some of you might know but um but Aston Villa and Newcastle used to have a chant for Habib Bay mm. to the tune of Happy Days when Sunday, Monday, Habib Bay, um, which was a classic. It was, that was very a, good. That was that. a very, very good that was, that, Newcastle came up with that and then Villa just adopted Villa it. Just started, and Newcastle when, came up with this as well, which is the Chancellor and Bemba song mm. to September where they did the uh, He's the Best Offender, yeah. He Never Gives, never the, gives ball the Ball Away, away which was, was, was pretty spectacular. I um, Yeah, I think those two stand out for me as, as two of the best. The Luis Garcia song that Liverpool used to use, which Watford have now stolen for Javi Gracia um, which was the Luis Garcia he drinks sangria he came from Barca to Liverpool was always a, was always a bit of a classic mm. as well so they're my, my, my top three I think you like the Mo Salah one at the moment yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I think that Liverpool running, have running done down better, the wing. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of adopting James uh, as, as a kind of song. So, you know, yeah, James Sit Down is a good song to be nabbing for a, mm. for a yeah. song. I'm like not it. wild on the Roberto Firmino chant, the, the Si Senor that Liverpool do. I, I don't... I feel like half the fans don't know the words. Yeah. And it, doesn't, it never actually fully explodes. It kind of just peters out and you can hear a certain pocket of... You just hear the Si Senor yeah, and then yeah. it just sort of drops out again. And I don't None of us have picked Ole's at the wheel. Well, is at the wheel was good. It was good. Well, like, that is genius. Well, it was fair. originally for Jose, wasn't it? Jose's at the wheel. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was the original song, but obviously he didn't do very well. No. So that it never really kicked off. But when Oli took over, it really was very much, it felt like a new driver. Mm. Yeah, so unique, though. United fans, I know they get a lot of stick for like saying Man United fans aren't are plastic and all of this and they don't come from Manchester. But the hardcore Man United fans and their songwriting is yeah. so impressive. The, yeah, away, the away section is always yeah. amazing for yeah, United. That for is sure. very much true. Cool. Uh, Newcastle still top. Top billing for me, though, with, the, with those two. So, cool. right, let's spin it again. Ah, I feel like this has been put there just for me. Yeah. <laughs> Is Claudio Ranieri a good football manager? <laughs> Steen, did you write that? No, but it was a bit... <laughs> That's very specific. The to answer, be fair. The answer is yes. Of course it is. He, you know, he won the league with, with, with Leicester. He, he did good jobs at Parma. He did okay at Valencia. Did all right at, at Chelsea. Did all right at Nantes. Did all right good at defense. Nantes. The, the problem is that Claudio Ranieri is a, is a manager with a very specific style. And if your squad does not suit his style, then it becomes a bloodbath very quickly. <laughs> um, and we've seen this at Fulham this year, obviously. But, but mostly, I, I think you, you, a lot of teams would say the same. That there are places where he has gone and he just doesn't fit because that kind of Italian Catanaccio style playing on the break 
it is very difficult if you don't have the players for it. So it worked perfectly at Leicester because they were so set up to counter-attack. They were so set up to, to basically be a solid unit and, and score goals from set pieces, score goals on the counter. And, and a lot of things fell into place for him. Of course, he's a good football manager, but he's, he's a manager that if he doesn't have the players he requires for a certain system, it becomes very difficult to see him succeed. Also, though, Leicester were already a really good team. And normally, when you go into a job, you take over a team that aren't doing very well. Yep. Ranieri was one of those very few instances where you take over a team that aren't in disarray. It was just like other issues were going on there, so they changed managers. Well, they just put together a hell of a win streak to survive. Yeah, seven yeah. of uh, nine, wasn't it? Seven of nine the year And Ranieri comes in, and the place is actually looking quite good, and then he just carries it on. So I think Ranieri's been found out a little bit ever since he um, I mean, left the Leicester job, and maybe he should have just stayed away. Maybe he should have just there, left on that. There are, there, that. Are, there are two sides to this. I mean, um, Fulham shouldn't have appointed him because their squad didn't suit him. Sure. Yeah. Ranieri stubbornly tried to play his football with a squad that didn't suit him. What about Roma? Well, Roma haven't been great either, have they? No, I mean, it's, 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 so it's, why did it, they appoint him? Well, it seems like, well, I mean, he's, he's had so much success in Serie A in the past, hasn't he? I mean, so I, I can understand the feeling and the sentiment and the view of Ranieri in Italy, I, I believe, is quite different to the view in in West London, <laughs> um, but I think I think he stubbornly tried to pursue something that didn't work, and yeah, he's a great manager, and yeah, it only suits him, but. It's his fault for doing that. You have to, yeah. Look, I think one of the great trademarks is being able to either impose your style on players who didn't expect it in the way that someone like Pep can, mm. who you know, who changes someone like Aguero from just a goal-scoring centre forward into someone who works so hard for the team, mm. or is able to adapt their philosophy to the players that and make it work. Ranieri is neither of those things, but that doesn't mean that his you know tactical approach is, is nonsense. Obviously, he's a very very skilled manager, and a lot of the Fulham players said they learned a lot off from him, mm. and I think that that speaks more. To, to him and it just was a case of not fitting at the right mm. time Dean I'm going to spin for you Go. if you were an 18 year old wonder kid which manager would you want to play for um, just going to have to go through every manager in Europe right now <laughs> which isn't the easiest thing to do <laughs> Lucien uh, Favre for me at Dortmund there's the, the, the quick yeah, answer. Yeah, you can go with that one. The quick yeah. answer, That's, obviously, seeing is... what he's done with Jaden, yeah. uh, seeing what he's done with, with a lot of the youth prospects at Dortmund. He's obviously willing to give youth a chance, which is uh, something that's exceptionally rare, I suppose, in the managerial spheres of a lot of places. I think he's brilliant, and Dortmund might fall short this season, but the way he plays football and the kind of sensibility of just going for it all the time uh, and giving Depends that opportunity. What you mean by wonder kid if you mean like an 18 year old wonder kid like say Hudson Adoy who wasn't quite there yet then yeah I'd, I'd agree but if you were an 18 year old wonder kid who had actually already spent a year establishing himself I think I just want to go straight into Liverpool and get under Klopp straight away I think that's where I'd be going and just become part of that because you know he would believe in you and you would get your chance at, at, at that big club and in the Champions League matches I'd, I just think that Klopp would really take you under his wing so so easily, like he has done with Trent, I suppose. Yeah, I, I just think that that would be my choice. I think I think Favre is a, is a is a good shout. I think Thomas Tuchel is someone who yeah. has has always poured his faith and belief into you, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, and, and no matter what your age is. And his track record of working with young players is absolutely exceptional as well. So that's clearly something Dortmund are looking at so I'd, I'd probably say Tuchel and maybe Leonardo Jardim as well has similar traits in that okay the football isn't as nice but he is very very good at molding young players and making them into stars we've seen the Monaco set that has just gone on to bigger and better things all grew under him 
We've seen him go back to Monaco this season and re-energise a very young and inexperienced crop that was in disarray under yeah. other managers. I think I think those two guys would, would, would be my choices. So Monaco, PSG, Dortmund and Liverpool are the, are, I are the fun runners. I definitely wouldn't sign for Mourinho wherever he happened to be. Yeah, I think you no, know, it's well, a strange... That would be the last thing I'll be doing. That's, I know that much. It would be a... Also, if you're a wonder kid, I mean, obviously, wonder kids can play in every position, but when you think of wonder kids you tend to think of exciting attacking players yeah, I was thinking because, of like a left winger or something <laughs> so you know and, and we've seen those players be given less of a lease of life under Mourinho already yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely Can you give an 18 year old wonder kid left back well, I mean, Trent, I suppose, was probably a wonder kid, and he was a right back. He, he does not get that tag. You don't get that tag if you're a left back. No, you probably don't. Do you? Unfair. So unfair. Yeah. There you are. Well, I maybe still it like just to be a left back. You, it just keeps you on the, on My the level. My son's going to be a left back. Your son's going to be a left back. Yeah. It's the, the easiest position to get in in the team. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right, Sam, with that, I think it's uh, probably time for nonsense. Okay. Nonsense. Uh, this week, I'm ranking the starter Pokemon. Uh, based on how socially acceptable it was to pick them on Pokemon Red or Blue on Game Boy. I've got a massive <laughs> problem here. What's you don't know who they are. I know nothing it's about It's all right. Pokemon. I'll cover for you. I love Thanks, Pokemon. <laughs> so, yeah, for those in need of refreshing or if you just look confused if you're joining us for the first like time yeah. if you're 110 um, years old like me <laughs> you were behind the goal when England won the World Pokemon Cup Pokemon came out the, uh, <laughs> the, the three starter Pokemon were those you got to pick from on, on, on a Game Boy when you played Pokemon Red or Blue right, right. Uh, when you started the journey and they're different types they have different strengths and different weaknesses and it shapes your journey through the game okay just want to come back to how like Professor Oak just like has three of the rarest Pokemon just sat on his table he's like yeah have one I just caught them spare in his area... You can't find them anywhere else. They're literally really, They're literally nowhere else, and Professor Oak just happens to have one of each, which Rude. is... Oh, I Professor mean, Oak. Abs- Oak or Oak? Oak. Um, oh, Professor Oak. Classic, massive plot hole, but into the ranking. Get on with it. Um, I think number three has to be Bulbasaur. Yeah. Um, not only does he just look like the most rubbish one, so like, even if you don't know anything about it, you're making a clear visual error from the word go... It's kind of like playing the game on amateur level because he has a strength advantage over the first two gym trainers. So the first one is Brock, who uses rock-type Pokemon, and the second one is Misty, who uses water-type Pokemon, so grass is strong against both. So you don't really get to shape the pack because you carry six Pokemon, Dean. I don't know. If you... I literally feel like I'm sat here talking to an eight-year-old. So yeah. I, I'm just... You're learning. You don't, yeah, it's I'm not. Learn it's, every not day. it's not a very well-rounded crop, and it's like Bulbasaur's almost like a cheat code early on. Yeah. So I would say that if you took Bulbasaur... You are a coward. Also, he's the weakest at the end. Yeah. When you get to the top level, like grass Pokemon are rubbish. Yeah, they don't, they, 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 their usefulness fades out. But I, yeah. think, I think it's the cowardly choice. Into number two, I think he's Squirtle. No, no, I knew you were going to do this. No, yeah, I it's think your he's rankings. Squirtle. You've got to do them. I but. think Squirtle, I think he's pretty cool, but he has the, the, the type advantage over the first gym trainer, so it's a little bit easy. He's definitely the most useful as you go on because he can surf. So, and when he, when he evolves into Blastoise, he definitely becomes the most useful of the top three. But... Number one is Charmander. Like, it has to be. Charmander is the best Pokemon full stop, let alone the starter Pokemon. Tell me why. Because he's adorable, right? <laughs> and it's the hardest way to play the game because he is weak to the first two trainers. So you have to spend the time developing and sharing the experience between all, all six of your other You're Pokemon. Pidgey. Your Pidgey. Yeah, you need to get him into a Pidgeotto, like, pretty sharpish. Yeah, and you need to get a Butterfree in order to get through the first couple of bosses. Like, that has to happen. So it definitely helps you. Also on the TV show. It was so sad, wasn't it? Yeah, but the Squirtles were well cool. 
on the TV show. What, they were the, like the sunglasses. sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like really cool. Also at uni, my, nick- squad. my nickname was Squirtle at uni. Was it? Yeah. Why? Because uh, like there was two. Everyone was like named after animals. Because you shot water out. And I didn't look. I didn't look like any of the animals. So they said I looked a bit like a Squirtle. With a sort of little happy little face <laughs> and quite small and I quite mean, that's small and round. Stick now, isn't it? It's quite small and round. So that was um, yeah, that's no that kidding. was my nickname. My contention is that if you if Gilsey you... and Squirtle over here, <laughs> <Squirtle>. <laughs> my contention is that if you played Pokemon Red or Blue and you didn't finish it with Charizard, did you even actually play the game? And yes. I, I don't think the answer is yes. Yes, it is. You I had Blastoise. He had a cannon is. on his back. I'm with it was Sam. A bad boy. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Well, this will be an A and B this week on our social channels, whether you prefer, you think you had Squirtle or Charmander as your starter Pokemon. So please actually do get involved with that uh, and, and let us know what your thoughts are. Well, thank you, Sam, even though you're wrong for that. And that is all we've got time for this week. All that's left for me to say is say thank you to these two legends, to Dean Jones, Choo-choo. to Sam Tai. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to Chu, obviously, for joining us earlier on. I've been Jack Collins. Remember to get involved in all things on the pod using the hashtag be our football ranks get the three of us on instagram on twitter make sure you're following us all for all the fire content around the pod the behind the scenes stuff in here uh, and if you haven't already also make sure you downloaded the br app for the best sports and culture content you can listen to us on it you can keep an eye out for an exclusive rank squad special in the app very soon keep sharing the pod keep telling your friends keep rating us on itunes rank squad memberships coming this summer see you next week 